One-third of patients suffering from schizophrenia develop diabetes as a direct result of treatment. In the future, we may be able to use pharmacogenomics to determine which antipsychotic would be the safest for any given patient. Is the future here? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, Director of Foothills Psychiatry in Boise, your host, and with me today is Dr. Gualberto Ruano. Dr. Ruano is a pioneer in the field of personalized medicine and the inventor of molecular diagnostic systems used worldwide for the management of viral diseases. He is president and founder of Genomas, his third genetics-related company and now the biotech anchor of Hartford Hospital's Genetic Research Center. He also serves as director of genetics research at the center. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you very much, Dr. Lynn. Dr. Ranio, in order to understand your work, we need to learn a little bit about physiogenomics. What is this? We begin with the clinical responses and how variable they are among people. So that's item one. The approach is clinically relevant. Then the second aspect of this is we say, given the fact that you have a, a range of responses, what is genetically different among the people who develop the bad response versus the people who had the good response, or vice versa? What genetic factors are enriched in the people that had the positive response and depleted in the people who had the side effect? By looking at these contexts of genetic markers in patterns, some of them are protective, some of them are risk, you can utilize clinical experience to derive sets of rules, DNA-based rules, that can then be applied for the next patient when they come to seek medical care. It interfaces clinical observation with the DNA analysis and guidance to the clinician in terms of treatment. Now, you published a paper looking at the differences between risperidone and olanzapine weight gain profiles. What did you find there? This was a collaboration with our colleagues at the Institute of Living at Hartford Hospital in Connecticut. And we were looking at the weight distribution of patients that have taken these two antipsychotic agents, uh, risperidone, risperdol, olanzapine, and cyprexa. It is known that this class of drugs, according to the label, have diabetic complications in some individuals, but not others. And utilizing this paradigm I mentioned of clinical observation and then derived DNA-based rules of treatment, what we determined was that the genes that were responsible for the olanzapine weight gain were related to cholesterol transport, whereas the genes that were related to the weight distribution of patients taking risperidone were related to appetite control. So by looking at clinical observation and utilizing the DNA technology I mentioned, physiogenomics, we were able to learn new knowledge about how these medications are causing these side effects. Now, what is interesting is that because the DNA markers, as I mentioned, are different, it is possible now to utilize this knowledge to prescribe a safer drug for the next patient that requires care. And as the audience knows, these medications are increasingly being utilized in adolescent populations where you certainly do not want to induce any kind of pre-diabetic condition on these young individuals. And so by having this information, you can now protect this population by having knowledge about what is the likely response to these two medications. The company has been successful in, in getting support from the National Institute of Mental Health. We have now a three-year program that was funded 
by NIMH to extend this to other antipsychotics. Forgive me, Dr. Rano, for being a little dense, but in real life, would we get the test first and then decide which antipsychotic to give the patient? That is the gold standard we're seeking, the way of utilizing this approach prior to the treatment. It happens in real life, however, that the initial cases that are coming to us are from individuals who already have developed the side effect, and the clinician is trying to understand what is going on, is this metabolically caused, and what can I do to change it? Now, the three-year NIMH grant, what will that entail? It allows us to look at other genes in addition to the ones we already published. This uh, was published in Molecular Psychiatry early this year. It allows us to do total genome analysis, which means we utilize the physiogenomic approach to query all the genes in the genome using the approach of variability and create models that we believe are going to be able to predict 75% of the variability in terms of how these drugs affect the non-intended side effects. I'm curious about the timeline when you think this will be available on an, you know, a readily available basis to those of us in practice. The beauty of approaching the problem from a clinical perspective is that we begin with the actual application. We learn from that application and we feed back to that application the rules that were derived from the genetic analysis. And so this is a different kind of development than what we think of as drug development, which is a 15-year process that requires sequential trials. In this approach for DNA-guided medicine, we believe the actual technology can be delivered to the healthcare system within a five-year horizon, including the required regulatory steps to assure the specificity and sensitivity of the diagnostic systems being developed. Therefore, uh, we're not talking about 2015, we're talking about early in the next decade to have these technologies in mainstream use. So much faster than drug development. That's the beauty of beginning with a clinical problem. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Gualberto Ruano. We are discussing using pharmacogenetics to improve medication safety. Dr. Urano, now, in my practice, one of the big areas that we're concerned about is using antipsychotic medicines in adolescents in particular. If they may need to be on these medicines for years, even decades, the public health implications are enormous. What might this work do to help us with that situation? Adolescence is a vulnerable population, if there was any. And we certainly want to manage their mental health issues in ways that do not compromise their growth and their metabolic status. And we see this as one of the main medical needs right now on these DNA-guided medications. At the Hartford Hospital, we get a substantial number of our referrals are coming from child psychiatrists and adolescent caretakers that are looking at young people that need to be treated, but we want to avoid the side effect of efficacy. And here, the system has to play out a prospective role. It has to provide the healthcare professional with alternatives in such a way that we can treat the mental health issue and preserve the metabolic function of the patient. And of course, one of the other problems, whether it be in adolescents or in adults, is compliance 
with the Katie trial results showing us that the vast majority of patients stop their antipsychotic medicines in less than a year, often because of problems like weight gain. It is the side of medicine that sometimes we forget. If the medication does not go the right way, the patient may stop. And the cost to the patient is the condition that was under treatment is going to now go rampant. The cost to the system is this person will now accumulate even more medical care when the condition goes wrong. And it's something we have to stop. You know, we have now technology that allows us to go much more precisely at the level of prescription. And the case of antipsychotics in mental health is a case in point. There are others like this in, in other areas of medicine. We have seen studies that say 60% of people stop taking statins after three months if they develop muscle problems. And you go on and on, weight gain with insulin sensitizers and edema. This is really the root of many of the misalignments in the healthcare system that can be tackled with this technology. Is your type of work, is this what's at the heart of the newest antipsychotic that's in development, iloperidone? We are tackling drugs in the market right now. So there are five antipsychotics that are being marketed in the U.S. According to different claims in the product literature, some of them are supposed to have fewer or more effects than the others. And this is an area that plays in clinical practice. Every doctor develops his or her own rules about what medication works this way or the other. But we have to remember that what we're talking about is individualized care for the patient in front of you. In other words, the rules that have been derived based on averages may not apply to the person in front of you. We know, for example, that olanzapine has had a risk of metabolic conditions, perhaps at a higher rate than others. Well, we know that that's true on average, but there are some people that clearly do much better with olanzapine in terms of their metabolic side effects than with drugs that on average do not. And so to go beyond that kind of global to the precision of the individual is what we're trying to do. The drugs that are launched can be added to the system. So our strategy as a company is to develop these systems as open decision support systems. As drugs get added in the formularies, they can be added to the rule set of DNA-guided medicine. One of my fears, however, with this really interesting technology is that it may further absolve people of any sort of personal responsibility. So I can see 10 years from now that, oh, well, I'm fat because I have this genetic problem in my cholesterol transport system, not because I ate 10 donuts for breakfast. Well, there is no question that any new technology can have many scenarios in the real world. What we prefer to think about is that through the partnership between clinicians, diagnostic companies, pharmaceutical manufacturers, we will be able to provide a sufficient, no pun intended, menu of choices, going back to your example of of weight gain and diet, so that there will be a medication that is suited to the individual in such a way that every individual gets some kind of medication that is suited to them. Clearly, to get there, you need variety of choices and you need rules, DNA-based rules that can basically take care of the population so that everybody gets treated. We certainly also believe that this technology can be applied to 
issues related to healthcare disparities where there may be a legacy of medications that don't work or medications that are not accessible. In this model of the open system for healthcare delivery, you can now match those individuals to drugs that are suited to them. Many implications of this technology certainly go beyond medicine and will impact society, equality of health care, the decision of the individual to take care of himself or herself according to factors that are personalized. I'd like to thank our guest today, Dr. Gualberto Bruano. We have been discussing pharmacogenetics as a way to improve the safety profile of antipsychotic prescriptions. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.